On this episode of The B-Side, we're going to be talking about the church as a family. Welcome to The B-Side, a Blessed Hope podcast where we turn over the sermon notes and answer those lingering questions. Hey everybody, I'm Vince and I'm here with Pastor Matt again. And we're going to be talking about the church family and what really kicked this off is how well I feel like we did as a church for Easter. Yeah, you know, I think it's so great. You and I sat here uh, the week before Easter, and we just we kind of encouraged, and we reminded, and we, and and, and uh, I mean, anything short of begging people, I think, uh, to to just be hospitable and be the church mm-hmm. and to operate as as kind of the church uh, in the New Testament should. And boy, I, I tell you, I think people. Uh, just really stepped up to the plate and did a great job. It was a it was a family I was proud to be a part of. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah, that's just one of those things where Easter can be so busy and so hectic for families and for church staff and elders. And it, I felt like Easter Sunday just went by so fast and so smoothly, and it with very little stress on my part. Yeah, it, it, I mean, that's honestly, we had, uh, you know, we had about 350 people in this building on Easter, and uh, Which it was... quite a bit more than we average. Than we average, yeah. We average about 225, 230 on a Sunday, and so all of a sudden, you, you know, you've, you've kicked that up a third, which means, one, people did a great job inviting mm-hmm. friends, family, neighbors, co-workers to come, which, which is fantastic, because we got to share the, the unapologetic gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and so it's important for people to hear that, but what's great is um, you know, as a pastor here, there's a lot going on. You want your kids getting their Easter egg stuff done, and you, mm-hmm. you want to get your family picture taken, and everybody gets donuts, and, and it would have been easy for people just to be occupied with their own stuff, right. but they weren't. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were visiting with people they didn't know. Uh, they were introducing themselves. They were having conversations. Mm-hmm. They, were, they were getting to, to share life just a little bit with people, mm-hmm. and, and, and they helped out. You know, if there was a uh, a spot where we needed a greeter. They they just stepped in and, and yeah. worked as a greeter. And um, you had the experience, and you told me downstairs. Yeah, there was a, a couple of times when I went to go kind of show somebody around how to check in, where the kid would go, and they go, oh, so-and-so is helping me already. And I'm like, perfect, great. Yeah, I'm so, Vince, and, you know. So, so yeah, you, you were able to, to be with the kids as they were coming in because you didn't need to be uh, talking with parents and, and, mm-hmm. and showing them the process and helping them feel comfortable. Somebody else was doing that. So it was just mm-hmm. a great, great uh, experience, I think. And the church did a, a spectacular job. Mm-hmm. Uh, we even had some of our teenagers uh, help with the Easter egg hunt and help with some of our connection cards. And just, yeah. I, I, I'm super proud of our, our church family and kind of stepping up and being the church on Easter Sunday. Yeah. And then, and then what's so cool is, and I know that everybody in the Blessed Hope family knows this, because Facebook for the last couple of days has been littered with these great pictures. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we had a photo station, and that's just a lot of fun. Jenny Berker came in and set that up, and she's so skilled at things like that. And Shauna Kurth came and took those pictures. And we did the same thing on, on Christmas Eve, and, and Shauna and Megan took pictures then. And uh, it's just fun to look at. And so yesterday, I'm looking through all of those pictures, and, and try as I might to, to concentrate on my work, I was continually drawn back mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Facebook and to the gallery to look at all of those pictures, and I just couldn't stop. And, 
And, and one of the things that I kept coming back to was just this simple thought. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love our church family. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's just, you know, I mean, oh, yeah, the pictures were nice, and people were dressed cute, and, and people made goofy faces, or they were super serious. What, what, you know, I mean, yeah, it was nice to look at the pictures, but I was more struck by the fact that these are people, and some I know better than others, mm-hmm. but these are people that I love. Yeah. And I think that's the call biblically yeah. for a church, is to love um, the church that you belong to, to love one another and to be with one another and to be a family of God together. Yeah, and so kind of from those pictures and the church family uh, just kind of really showing out and showing up on Easter and then being distracted by Facebook pictures and uh, kind of came up with our topic for today is all these one another passages yeah. in the scripture. Um, I want to share some fun facts with you um, just because... I like fun facts, and so uh, there's a hundred one another passage, or one another is said a hundred times in the New Testament in 94 verses, so some of them say it a couple of times. Uh, Of those 94, 47 are specific instructions for Christians, and then Paul wrote about 60% of those, and then here are my two favorite um, fun facts. Four of these one another's are about kissing. And then one of them has to do with sex. And the four that have to do with kissing have nothing to do with having sex. I just think that's kind of a fun... Kind of a fun fact about the one another's. Yeah. Uh, and we practice one another's here at the church, but, but uh, be, um, I guess, assured that we don't practice the holy kiss. Right. Uh, we greet each other. We greet each other with kindness and encouragement mm-hmm. and handshakes and hugs at times, but... But I think we've stopped short of greeting one another with yep. a holy kiss. If we were in France, we might still be doing We might still do that, but not here in Vinton. So, um. so we got a list of, I mean, there's a hundred of these, but we grabbed a list of ten that we thought would be uh, really important for us to go through uh, in the context of the church family. And so uh, we got a list of them, and the first one is, we didn't really put them in an order uh, necessarily, just kind of as we went through and... So the first one is don't grumble, and this is uh, John six uh, four or John six forty three. So I'm going to read that. Yeah, uh, very simply, Jesus just says, "Hey, stop grumbling among yourselves, uh, or stop grumbling with or against one another." And, and I think the reason that becomes so critical for us is is simply because there can be a wave of momentum in any group. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when you get a group together, um, it, it just just takes one or two people to set the tone for the entire group. And so if I come to a meeting or I come to a congregation, uh, if I come to a Sunday morning or I come to a dinner party or wherever it is, right. and I have an attitude of grumbling, uh, and I'm grumbling against other people, and I, my, my attitude, I mean, let's just be frank, I mean, my attitude, if it sucks... Mm-hmm it's going to change the tone of what's happening and what everybody else is doing. And so I think this command from Jesus is, is so good, this one another. Say, Stop grumbling against one another, because when you do that, it just brings down the whole thing. And then instead of being um, gracious and on mission and together and moving forward, we're, mm-hmm. we're stuck grumbling and kind of irritated and frustrated, and it just breeds discontentment. Right. 
and, and it gets hard. We stress this so much with our teenagers, our high schoolers and middle schoolers, that you know, they, school is, as a teenager is just hard. There's, grumbling is kind of the norm, and so we stress this with our teenagers. You know, stick, like, if you want your environment to change, you have to change your attitude and change the way you interact with it. it I think for, our, for my mind, when, we, when I look to the schools, it's such a clear picture, but when it comes to grumbling, just think about church guests or people that are just starting to get into the church congregation. If they are met with grumbling, mm-hmm. uh, they're not going to stick around very long. Yeah, and, and the problem is, you know, when we grumble, people that grumble always think they have the right to do so, right? Mm-hmm. Because usually it's based on feeling, mm-hmm. uh, and I feel neglected, or I feel hurt, or I feel irritated, and, and a lot of times that's based on preference, and that's why it's easy to happen in a church, because you can't meet everybody's preferences, Right. And so I feel like I should get my way. I feel like the music should sound like this. I feel like it should be louder. Mm-hmm. I feel like it should be quieter. I feel like the pastor should dress different. I feel like we should champion this missionary instead of that missionary. And, and so because it's based on preferences and it's based on feelings, um, it, it happens so often. And grumbling against one another often turns into to petty disagreements, which turns into, into fights. And, and I, I mean, frankly, we, we know we, in, uh, we're, we're always dealing with church things and not right. just here in Vinton, but all over the place. And I mean, there have been church splits that have come from grumbling that had to do with feelings and preference. And right. it just spills out right. all over the place. And so it's a dangerous game. And Jesus knows what he's talking about. He says, hey, don't do that. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move from Jesus into Paul, and a lot of these are going to be Paul. Um, accept one another. Yeah. Uh, in Romans 15, uh, verse 7. So uh, I'm going to read from the ESV. It's, it's a, maybe a little different than how the NIV translates it, but it says simply, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Yeah. So you, Welcome one another, accept one another as Christ has welcomed you. And, you know, here's the thing. Christ welcomed me. We talked about this on Easter Sunday, just as I am. You know, we've often said this, is that God will never expect someone to get cleaned up so that they can come to the cross. He'll expect somebody from the cross forward to get cleaned up and mm-hmm. to live holy and to grow. But, but you come as you are. And so, you know, when we accept one another, we understand that we're different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've all got past, we've all got baggage, and not only are we different um, in, in what our history is, but, but what we think and where we're at. And so um, I don't need to be angry at people or hold people um, hostage or, or be irritated because right. they think about things differently than I do. I can mm-hmm. accept that. If, if it's not about the gospel, then I can accept our differences. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of those areas that we struggle as a culture yeah. in general is, you know, if you disagree with me on something, we cannot, I cannot welcome you into my life, into my, you know, we just struggle to disagree well. Yeah. And I, it's so critical. And, and you know this, Vince, and, and, and a lot of the folks listening will know this too. Like one of the churches that we partner a lot with, we love to partner with Revolution Church because they love Jesus and they want to see lives changed and they want to have an impact in the community. And it's, and it's great. And, and uh, David and I get along um, very well in ministry. I, I consider him to be a close friend. Uh, but here's the deal. David and I disagree on what we would call minor doctrine. Right. 
um, and we could get mad at each other and we could, uh, we could be irritated with each other. But you know what? Part of it is we accept one another and I accept um, the sincerity with which he approaches scripture and, um, and comes away with a different viewpoint than I do. And he does mm-hmm. the same for me, which allows us to minister together. Uh, you and I yeah. view some things differently in Scripture, and you and I have never had a problem with us not accepting one another. Right. Uh, I, that, I, I think sometimes people just don't, like, we talk about another church, and like, oh, well, that makes sense. But here you've got two guys working in the same church who, on minor doctrine, we don't see eye to eye, but mm-hmm. it's never gotten in the way. Right. And I th- what I find so interesting in that passage or that verse is that it says that when we welcome one another, when we accept one another, that's actually to God's glory. Right. To do that. Yeah. Well, you ever wonder why there's debatable doctrine? Who made it debatable? God, he didn't make it clear. Right. I mean, it's like, so we have no issues figuring out uh, uh, things about salvation, uh, right. things about heaven, things about hell. It's like, oh, these are real. God clearly speaks to them. But then we get into something about, ooh, end times. Like, what will that be like? And God mm-hmm. is not clear. Right. And, and that's by design. And so we think we might have a way to understand it. Other people think differently. We disagree, but we do it agreeably. Yep. So, yep. yeah. So, uh, classic passage uh, bear with one another and forgive one another in uh, Colossians 3.13. Uh, so, you want to go ahead and read that? Yeah, I, I think so, so here, pretty simple. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Here's what you do. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And I love that Paul adds that last little bit there because it almost cuts the argument off at the knees. Right. Right? Because I can almost hear people. I, I have argued this before when I was a little less mature um, or even now that I'm, I, I think, more of a mature Christian. I still struggle with this at times. Uh, there's people I don't want to forgive. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Paul says, no, 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 here's the deal. If you've got somebody that wronged you, you forgive them. And it doesn't mean they've asked for forgiveness. It doesn't mean sometimes they might not even know they wronged you. Right. Uh, but you forgive. And before you can even raise an argument, Paul cuts you off at the knees and says, why? Because Jesus Christ, God in Christ mm-hmm. has forgiven you. And so it's like, man, I have been forgiven the worst offense ever. Mm-hmm. I sinned against a holy God. That is the worst thing anybody could do. Mm-hmm. And God forgives me through Jesus. And then he says, man, somebody has this little pittance of an offense against you, and you ought to be able to do the same. Yeah, I mean, he did the same thing with the Romans passage, that you should welcome each other the way that Christ has welcomed you. Yeah. Well, that's, it's interesting. We do these one another's, and we talk about this family, and understanding that Jesus is our model for these. Right. So, it, it, yeah, it just, it's one of those things where um, nothing rips a church apart faster. Nothing rips a Christian community apart faster than bitterness and unforgiveness within the community. And here's mm-hmm. the thing about that. Man, I think that drives people away from Jesus more yeah. than we'll ever know. When they see people that say, oh, I love and follow Jesus, act like yahoos towards one another, mm-hmm. then they look at that and they're like, man, I don't want anything to do with the church. Right. Why, why? I don't want any of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they feel justified in it. So. so number four and number five come from the same verse in the Bible. Uh, confess to one another, confess your sins to one another, and then also pray for one another. And it makes a lot of sense to me that those two would be linked in the same uh, uh, verse. And this is in James chapter 5, verse 16. And so I, I, you got that one? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just basically it's, it's a... Um, Confess your sins to one another. 
uh, and, then, and then pray for one another. And, and then James makes the comment that the prayer of a righteous man, uh, or in this case, a righteous individual man or woman, um, has value, okay? Um, it, it brings forgiveness. It brings healing and restoration. And so uh, the idea here is, and this is one we don't love to do, it's, it's confessing sins to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I say that to evangelicals, they get a little... Uh, tight and frustrated and confused because in their mind, when I say confess your sins to one another, they think Catholic confessional. Right. So they think, okay, well, in order for God to forgive me, I have to go in the confessional and I have to tell somebody, he tells me what to do so that God can forgive me. And that's something called penance. Um, and, and in the Catholic church, it's, it's considered a grace. But, but here's the thing, you're not going to find that in scripture. Okay? Mm-hmm. We have one mediator between God and man, and that's the person of Jesus Christ who sits on the right hand of, of the Father in the throne room. And because of that mediation, I can go directly to God. I have direct forgiveness. But James still says, man, there is value in confessing sins to one another because when I confess my sins to somebody, they pray for me. Yeah. They can hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. They can admonish me and move me forward. So many good things happen when I confess you know, that I'm struggling. And, and we talked about this on Sunday uh, during our service in, on marriage. I mean, when I confessed to, to a brother um, you know, many, many years ago when my marriage was new uh, and, and stress was high and kids were happening and, and everything was, was insane, and I confessed that I'm having, you know what, he prayed for me. He held me accountable to treating her well and to loving her well. And, and when I didn't, he admonished me and he, and he helped grow me up in that. And all of that because I was willing to confess to him and he was willing to pray for me in turn. And so this is one we don't love. Right. Uh, and I don't know that this is one that necessarily needs to happen in the public forum. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to stand up here and be like, oh, well, I, I, you know, I, I committed this sin and I need to publicly confess. No, right. but my small group. Mm-hmm. my accountability partners, people that, that I have intimate relationships with, I'm going to confess to them. And because I confess to them, they're going to pray for me and hold me accountable. And it's going to help me grow. Yeah. I mean, these and, are... and it keeps the church pure. Right. Uh, so I got the next one. And this one should seem obvious, uh, but love one another. And there are a ton of passages that talk about this, not just uh, this one that we picked in first Peter chapter one, verse 22, but love one another. And, um, I'm just going to read that for you real quick, if I can find my spot. Yeah. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, this, this should be simple. Uh, this, is, this is the context of the church. We love one another. In fact, everything we've talked about before this and everything we talk about after this is done from this heart this root of love. We love one another. And and in fact, we read in John, why do we love one another? Well, we love one another because Christ has loved us. And Jesus says in the upper room at the Last Supper that this is the new command I give you. And it's not new at all. No. Uh, It's actually a command that's been around forever. Um, but, But he says, this is a new command I give you, meaning this is now a new way for you to look at this. This is your life. Your life is to be poured out in love for one another because you worship me. Yeah. And, and, and so everything, not grumbling, mm-hmm. right? Even though it's not my preference or accepting people that are different than I am or that think differently than I do and bearing with and forgiving people that have wronged me, even when they don't ask. 
you know, and, and confessing my sins to people that I trust and praying for people that confess their sins to me. All of that is done in love. Uh, and it's done in love that's rooted in that agape kind of a thing, this covenant commitment kind of love. Here's the deal. There are moments, Vince, where I may not like you. Mm-hmm. I haven't had one of those yet, and I'm yes. not anticipating that it's going to come anytime soon. But, but because we're human, and because we're flawed, and because right. we're broken and messy people, there may be a time when I'm irritated with you, or I don't like you. And even if I've mm-hmm. forgiven you, and even if I'm praying for you, I just there, there might be, like, right now, <laughs> I don't like you. Um, right. But I'm always going to, and here's a commitment I can make to you, and you can make the same to me, I'm mm-hmm. sure. I'm always going to love you. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to love you with a covenant agape kind of love because that's the command that Jesus gives me, and I'm always going to be striving to fulfill those commands. Right. So even if I'm frustrated with you, I'm going to love you, and that's mm-hmm. going to flow. Everything flows from that, and that's where church conflict drives me crazy mm-hmm. because church conflict of any variety mm-hmm. has its root in sin, yeah. and it's rooted in sin because the first and foremost thing that we do is we love one another. And if I love you, you'll hear me correct you mm. without getting upset, or I'll hear you correct me without getting upset or overreacting. Mm. Um, and, and we'll build forgiveness and growth from there, and, and it should never boil over because we're following the command to love one another. Yeah, I think one of those things, if somebody confronts you in love about something, uh, even if you don't agree with them, I think it's always a great practice to ask someone else as well. Yeah. And don't ask, like, your best buddy that's going <laughs> to always say yes to you. Uh, but ask somebody that you're close to that is brave enough to say, you know what, actually, they're right. You are yeah. fill in the blank. Yeah, you know what? Actually, this is, this is a role uh, that Carrie fulfills for me. You know, my wife um, uh, is, is, obviously, she's my partner in ministry, and I couldn't do this without her um, supporting and loving and encouraging and also confronting uh, and all of those things that she does. And there are times when she has to confront me and says, man, you need to check your heart. Or, mm-hmm. or she'll even do it as simply saying, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Your voice just got 10 times higher there. You just started to get really angry. Or, uh, yeah. you know, you need to check that. That's not, you know. Mm-hmm. And because of that confrontation, which is gentle and done in love, if I'm smart enough and obedient enough to respond with love, now we, we solve all kinds of problems. She safeguards the church from me at times, if you think about it that way, yeah. uh, and, and my, my brokenness by confronting me where it's necessary. And so this next one really comes from love. I mean, if you love somebody, you're going to serve mm-hmm. uh, that person in that way. Yeah. So you got Galatians five thirteen. Yeah, it just simply says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but don't do, use your freedom to indulge the, fret, the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. And so the idea here that, that Paul's communicating is that um, you, because you're free, instead of flaunting your freedom and demanding your own way and forcing other people to cater to you, you say, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my freedom, my freedom in Christ, my freedom to be who I really was made to be, and in love that I was made to love, I am going Mm -hmm. to serve other people humbly, which means, here's what I'm going to do, I'm going to put other people first. You know what this is? This is the anti-grumbling command. Yeah. Don't grumble against one another. Instead, mm-hmm. here's what you do. Out of love and humility, thinking others better than yourself, you serve. 
Yeah, this, this is one of those things that I learned pretty early on in my faith. Uh, I w- had gone on a mission trip to South Texas, and there was a lead team of college students that went the week before us, got things set up. And I remember thinking that first uh, winter that I did that, I was like, oh, man, how great would it be to be on the lead team, kind of this glamorous, like, <laughs> looking at it. And then I went on lead team the next year and realized um, it was a lot of taking the trash out after meals, and it yeah. was a lot of wiping tables, and it was like, wow, this is not glamorous. This is serving. This is not thinking about, oh, supper's over, so I'm just going to go play a game, or no, supper's over, so I'm going to get to work and start serving uh, my fellow college students. Well, yeah. So, well, and you know, I think there's, there's, we have so many great examples of that, but here's the thing. Most people probably don't know those examples. Right. Because those people that serve without grumbling, and they serve out of love, and they serve in humility, um, they do it quietly. And sometimes we serve, and it's out front because of the nature of what it is, but a lot of times it's behind the scenes. And, and some of those people, um, we, we send thank yous to, but they don't need or... They don't ask for it. Or ask for it. Well, like, like, so for example, I think of, I think of uh, the last person to leave every Sunday mm-hmm. is Bob Simnocker. Right. Uh, and then Phyllis uh, <laughs> is, is with him. Uh, they go together. But, but Bob is the last one to leave because Bob is the one that's emptying all the trash bins. He's taking the trash out. He's cleaning up whatever obvious mess there might be. Mm-hmm. He's locking the doors, making sure the lights are shut off. He just serves quietly in that way. Mm-hmm. The first person here most Sundays, Jim McClenning. Most people would never know it. Right. But Jim is here at 8 o'clock or before, an hour and a half before our, our service starts. He's here turning the lights on, getting all the sound equipment ready, double-checking everything, making sure it's all ready to go. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just their way of serving that, that brings honor to God, and it, it, in humility, it brings um, everything, service to everybody else. Why? Because they love. Mm-hmm. So the next one, you are right next to it in Galatians, Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens. Yeah, I look at this one as the small group, one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the reasons that small groups were so important in Carrie and I's faith, and it's one of the reasons that we love small groups now, honestly. Mm-hmm. And if anybody out there is listening going, I'm not sure about small groups. I've never really understood why or what. This is one of the main things for small group. Here, here it says, it says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. So one of the ways that we fulfill the law of Christ, and the law of Christ is what we just talked about it, Love. Love one another. One of the ways that we love one another and fulfill that law of Christ is to carry or bear each other's burdens. And, you know, perfect example is, is in small group. Man, I, I got worries and stress and burdens, um, and other people have worries and stress and burdens. This life is hard, and we don't think that anybody should have to do this life alone. Yeah. And it's small group. That's a place where, as a church, people can bear my burden with me. And basically, mm-hmm. the idea of bear is not take it away from me. Mm-hmm. It's not own it so I don't have to. But basically, it's to pick up their end and so that I can stand up under the weight of it mm-hmm. because they're helping take the load and share the load. And, and we see that most clearly when, um, when uh, Carrie and I, thinking back, when our youngest daughter, Aubrey, was um, born, we took her home, and, and she was home for about a week, and then uh, somebody at small group, actually, we had her at small group, and somebody said, you know, you, she's blue, a nursing 
uh, a nurse, a, a medical professional said, hey man, you, you need to take her to get looked at. Um, you know, and she had been a little lethargic without she was just, you know, tired, I don't know. But uh, we took her to the hospital and next thing we know, people hovering around, she's admitted, she's flown to Iowa City. Oh, wow. She has RSV um, and that's bad for a baby to have. And she was in the, the pediatric intensive care unit for a while and then she was in, um, you know, in just the regular pediatric unit for a while. And I think three to four weeks, if I'm remembering right, we ended up, three weeks ended up being in Iowa City. And at that point in time, there were so many people from our church, specifically from our small group, mm-hmm. that uh, you know, along with my parents and family, but, but that, that bore that burden with us. They prayed with us. When we were confused and irritated that God would do this, they listened to us. They brought us meals. Mm-hmm. They watched our kids in their homes, in our home. They came a couple times. We had people come and spend the night at our house because we still had Riley and, and Travis at home who had school and things yeah. to do. And, and they'd bring them out to see us and to see the. And there was just so much there. And that's just one incident. There have been more in our life. And I know you've probably had some and other people mm-hmm. have them uh, where people will come alongside you and bear your burden. And, and it just, it's, it's the way that they love. And it's, it's so important. Yeah, so talking about. Uh, bearing one another's burdens, asking for forgiveness, serving, praying, loving. Uh, this next one, encourage one another from First Thessalonians chapter five eleven. Uh, kind of, these all, if you haven't noticed, these all are feeding into each other. Yeah. And so, uh, here's First Thessalonians five eleven. Therefore, encourage one another and build build one another up, just as you're doing. And so, it, it, it's so clear that life is hard. Mm-hmm. People have burdens. And people need to be encouraged. People need to be built up. There's so much in this life that wants to tear you down or can tear you down if you let it. But that's why small groups, that's why church community is so important to have those people to constantly build you up and encourage you. Yeah, right. If we haven't said it, life is messy. Mm-hmm. Life is hard. The world is broken. Things happen. They're not awesome. Life isn't fair. Fair went out the window uh, with the fruit in the garden. Uh, thanks, Adam. Thanks, Eve. Mm-hmm. Uh, they jacked it up for the rest of us, and that means things are difficult. But when we have a body of believers, a family, again, one of the reasons I love looking at those pictures is because those were people that are part of this family mm-hmm. that encourages me, that builds me up, that, that, uh, that just does these things that, that help me figure out that, you know what? One, I can face today. Mm-hmm. I can figure this out. And if I struggle, somebody in my family is going to encourage me and pick me up and walk it with me. Yeah. Yeah. And so the last one, we didn't plan this, but I think it's kind of the through line. And it's speak truth in Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 25. If you're not grumbling, if you're accepting one another, if you're bearing and forgiving, if you're confessing and praying, loving, serving, bearing each other's burdens, and you're encouraging, the only way you're doing that is by speaking truth. Speaking truth, yeah. Therefore, each of you put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, uh, for we are all members of one body. And because we're all members of the church, we're all Christian, we're all together, uh, we're all part of this body, especially if you call Blessed Hope your home church, we're all in this together. The only way it works is if we speak truth. Uh, and that doesn't just mean that I tell you, no, your butt doesn't look big uh, in those jeans. Uh, by the way, you, that, 
that just got weird. Never mind. Yep. Um, we'll just keep bypass that. Skip on. Maybe you can edit that out. Maybe. Um, but but it, it doesn't mean those things. But but what it means is that we're honest with we, with each other, mm-hmm. right? Um, that that we tell each other hard truth, mm-hmm. and that we're open with each other. You know. It, and that we're willing. If I'm going to speak truthfully to somebody, and I know they're willing to hear it. And I know that they're going to give me the same honor of speaking truthfully. And one of the things that we know here is that when we are free to speak truthfully to one another, and, and they know that they can speak truthfully to me because they know I'm going to listen and respond in love, mm-hmm. then here's what happens. There is no way to not grow. Right. And so when we practice these one another's and we do them well, the family strengthens, the family grows. And you know what's so cool about the family of God being strengthened and growing? What's that? It's so attractive to people that need to know Jesus. Yeah. You look back at the early church in the book of Acts, Mm -hmm. and, and what we read pretty darn clearly is that God added to their numbers daily Um, people that believed the gospel of Jesus. But the people believed the gospel of Jesus. Why? Because they saw what was happening in the church and they thought Mm -hmm. to themselves, I want to be a part of that. Right. And so, you know what? There's part of me that hopes, you know, people look at just something as basic as the pictures Mm -hmm. now that are all over Facebook and that people are sharing from our family get together on Easter Sunday. And there's part of me that hopes as people look at those pictures that they say, you know what, man, I don't, I don't, I don't have a family. Yeah. And I want one. Mm-hmm. I want to be a part of a group where people will love me and tell me the truth and encourage me and forgive me when I make mistakes and, and, and people that will pray for me and people that will help bear my burdens and all of those things. And they say, you know what? I want to come close to that community. Mm-hmm. And that's not all there is to it. When they come close to the community, they're going to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ that mm-hmm. changes things. But, but that's part of the draw of being that kind of family is, is people are encouraged to come close to it. And they want to know what it's about, mm-hmm. and then they respond. Yeah, and I think a huge part of this is the series that we're in right now, loving, speaking truth, and, and bearing with one another. And it's all about what keeps you up at night. And yeah. So this last week we did marriage. So if you haven't checked that out, go ahead and check that out. Even if you're not married, even if you've been married for 50, 60 years, check it out. There's truth. There's encouragement to bear burdens with each other. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now this next upcoming week, we got family, and, and there are so many burdens. There's, there's stresses that yeah. are in that as well. We and, say family, and people think about little kids, but it's so much more than that. Yes. Right? It's, it's our kids that are out of the house and grown and walked away from truth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's our kids that we weren't living in truth and I never taught them Christian values and now I'm a Christian and they're 40 and what am I supposed to do about that now? Is it right. too late? And, and family, even, you know, we've got parents that we care for that are aged, that are struggling mm-hmm. and that, that are, that are um, kind of a, a burden in their own right and are burdened to themselves. And, and so we're going to find out what the Bible has to say about that and how we can encourage one another mm-hmm. in that truth. Yeah, so we just want to thank you guys. Hopefully, you were encouraged uh, by Easter and how you guys stepped up and did a great job. And hopefully, you've been encouraged by uh, these 10 one another passages or statements in the Bible to uh, keep stepping up and keep being the church family. Yeah. Hey, it's been a lot of fun, Vince. Thank you.